Will you please pray with me? Now, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's hard to believe that a week ago today, uh, I was preaching in a church in Pakistan. And uh, myself and Barry and um, Chris were all there. And uh, it was an amazing experience. Uh, Again, it was a church that we had visited this time last year that was in the middle of being built, an old building that were basically uh, reconstructing almost. And it was incredible to go inside and see the beauty that they had created in the midst of this Christian slum in Pakistan in this building. And this packed place with a couple of hundred people in a tiny, tiny space, probably about uh, half the size of this, about 200 people all packed in on two levels, uh, sitting down. And it was incredible to be with them and to get to worship with them. We had a good week, and I will fill you in more on that as time goes on uh, and as the weeks go by. But it's good to be back with you as well. So thank you for your love and your support and your prayers while we were away. I wonder, as we begin today, who or what you would say has shaped you the most to be the person that you are today? Think about your qualities, your character, and so on. Who or what uh, is the thing or the person who has shaped you the most today? For me personally, it would be God himself through his word. This would be the thing that has shaped me the most. And I see some nods around there, some of you as well, who agree with that. It is God at work through his holy scriptures that has made me who I am. Yes, my parents played an important part. Yes, friends have done the same. Other things I've read and studied. But ultimately, the thing that I keep coming back to that keeps shaping me over and over again is God's word itself as God speaks through it. Today, I want to talk about something that I'm really passionate about. And it is knowing God's word and hearing God speak through his word to us each and every day. Something that to me has become the number one priority in my life and hopefully for each of you, if it hasn't already, will do at some stage soon. I want to show you a video and it's a, it's a clip of a story that I've shared before, but I want you to hear the story in the words of the man who actually lived the story. So I'm wondering, Nick, would you pull up the video for us? The first 10 seconds or so are quiet. Do not be surprised by that. But then we have this story. In 1971, military hospitals and in prisons and in uh, various air bases and military bases, traveling through much of the country by motorbike. My principal interpreter was a 17-year-old young man. His name was Hien Fan. Hien was a delightful young man, a brilliant interpreter from English into Vietnamese. We became like brothers. I learned to love him so much. And as we bade each other goodbye and embraced each other, I said, Hien, I don't know I'm going to see you again. My life has been so enriched from just being with you. I embraced each other, I got onto my plane in Saigon, August of 71. 17 years later, I was in Vancouver with my phone rang, and he said, the voice of Brother Ravi. I said, is that him? He said, yes. 
I said, where are you calling from? He said, I'm calling from San Francisco. I said, what are you doing in the United States? He said, have you got time to listen to my story? I said, I've got all the time. He said, after Vietnam fell, I was imprisoned. And as I was put into jail, I was having to serve the communist leaders there because they were punishing me. They accused me of all kinds of things. And I was going to be kept in prison for a long time. They did not let me read any English. And everything I had to read was either in Vietnamese or French. And all I was reading was Marx and Engels, Marx and Engels, till I was reading the book by Engels, where somehow capitalist man was a cage, and we, us human beings, were entrapped like a bird, bashing against the cage to get rid of it, blooding ourselves in the process. And as I was reading Engels and reading Marx, I thought, maybe I have been deceived. Maybe I have been deceived about God's existence, about all these systems and ideologies. And he said, for the first time in my life, I said, Tomorrow at the tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm not going to pray. Tomorrow's going to be the first day in my life in years. I'm not going to pray to God. He said, I wakened up, walked to the commander's office for my details of the day, and they told me I was going to clean the latrines. He said, it's horrible in those prisons. And yet I said, he said, I had to put a mask on my face and go and clean the latrines. As I walked into the latrines with all that stench, I saw a tin can with all kinds of pieces of paper with excrement on it. And I was about to throw it all away in the corner of my eye. I thought I saw one piece of paper in English. And I hadn't read English for so long. I picked out that piece of paper, washed it. And then as drenched as it was, I looked at it and it said Romans chapter 8. He said, I put it into my hip pocket and I went back to my room. That night after all of my roommates went to sleep under the mosquito net, I pulled out this damn piece of paper and with a flashlight I began to read. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What shall be there? He goes on to say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any other powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, As I began to read, I wept like a little boy. I said, God, you didn't allow me to get away from your arm's reach for even 24 hours. On my bed, under that mosquito net, I asked God to forgive me. Next morning, I went to the commander and said, remind me about the latrines again today. He went and he looked at the tin can, sure enough, Romans chapter 9. One by one, the commander who had a Bible in his hand was tearing a sheet out every day, using it as toilet paper. He was washing it and reading it in his devotions every night. Finally, they released him, and he built a ship with 52 or 53 others was going to escape. As the hours were closing in for his departure, a group of Viet Cong came and grabbed him by the collar and said to him, we hear you're going to escape, is that true? He said, that was the first test of my honesty. I said, no, I'm not escaping. He said, are you telling us the truth? He said, yes. And they left. He said, after they went, I said, here am I God trying to run my own life again. He said, I prayed a prayer that I hope God would never answer. I said, God, if you send them back to me again before we leave, I will tell them the truth. Moments before he was to leave his room, these four boys came again, grabbed him once more and said, tell us the truth. 
we've heard you are leaving. He said, yes, I am. Are you going to put me back in prison? They said, no, we want to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> and the four of them got into the ship of those 50 summoners. He said, Brother Ravi, on the high seas, we were hit by a storm. And we would have died, but for the skipper and the these women who brought us to safety in Thailand. And then he comes on to the United States where he finished his uh, MBA or something at uh, Berkeley and is now a businessman working well in his field. He came to our home in Atlanta and sat down with my little children. He's a precious lad. He had one of the most angelic faces you'd ever want to see. And he looked at my children and he said, I want to tell you something about life. The greatest longing of the human heart is to be intimate with God. And when you find the Lord, you find that intimacy. You live with your convictions. And he will honor you. I love that story. It's Ravi Zacharias. You may have heard of him. He's a Christian apologist. He goes around colleges and universities and debates with people um, to tell them the truth of the gospel and to present to them how Jesus Christ is real and why he's so important. And uh, the story is wonderful because it reminds me of what a gift God's word is and yet how often I take it for granted. Here's a guy in a prison who's happy to see God's word appear as toilet paper, right? It's crazy, isn't it? It's quite gross as well. I saw some faces out there of people like, oh, I don't know if I could have done that. But the guy hears God speak, hears God speak through his word in this jail on the day that he says, I'm not going to pray anymore. God speaks to him. Today, we're beginning a new series about hearing God's voice. How do we hear God speak? And today, we're going to talk about how we hear God speak through his word. You see, it is through his word that we develop that intimate relationship that Hien was talking about in that story, about how God will come to know us. Our deepest longing is to know God and to be known by him. So I want to turn to our scriptures for today and just briefly run through these and to encourage us that we will hear God speak and why we need to be listening to him. The first scripture is Matthew 7, of course. And I want to pick up at verse 23. And Jesus is teaching. He's, this is the very last section of the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps you've read it. If not, go home, open your Bible, and hear God speak through Matthew 5, verse, uh, chapters 5 through 7. Sorry, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And at the very end of this section, on his teaching, he says these words. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. God's word is foundational for our lives. I brought some props today just to help these stick in your mind. This is to remind us that God's word is foundational. If I were to drop this, it would be loud. Right? It would do some damage because God's word is so firm and strong. Jesus is reminding them if they build their lives on anything else, any new philosophies, any other teachers, anyone apart from him, new ideas and culture, that when troubles come in their lives, they will be blown away by those troubles because their foundation will not be strong. It will be like building on sand. 
unless we turn to God and hear him through his word, then we will not have the right foundation for his life. Sometimes you may wonder why it seems like everything is amiss. Everything in your life is going wrong. And and when it's going wrong, you feel like, I have nothing to turn to. Often it's because we've not done the hard work of laying the foundation of God's word in our life. You know, I believe that probably 95, maybe 99% of God's will is laid out for us in his word. If someone was to come to me and say, Jonathan, I need to know God's will for my life, I would say, have you been reading God's word? Have you read it? Because his word speaks to so much in our lives. It tells us all kinds of things that we might not have known um, if we were not to read it. It speaks to all kinds of situations. It is foundational. So lay a good foundation and spend time in God's word. Secondly, in 2 Timothy 3, we have this classic passage of where Paul is teaching this young disciple of his, this leader of a church, and he's saying to him as he comes to the end of his life, this is Paul's life, he's in prison, he's in Rome, he wants to give him final words, and so he says this, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that have happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, God's word is not just foundational, it's instructional as well. Here's my second prop. Caleb's in the Cub Scout, so I have the Weeblows Cub Scout handbook, all right? And the reason I brought this and not perhaps a manual for, you know, some piece of equipment that we have at home is that the great thing about Cub Scouts is they learn about all kinds of different things. If I was just to pick a random page, here we go, raising and lowering the United States flag. I mean, how important is that? It's only second to raising and lowering the British flag, right? So, I mean, that's pretty darn good, all right? I can turn to another page, okay? It's about explaining the meaning of order and of rescue. It's showing you how to rescue someone who's drowning in a pool. There's all kinds of stuff in here, packed full of instruction and teaching and challenge and so on. God's word is even better. (laughs) It helps us in so many more ways. It gives us the very meaning of life. It teaches us who God is and instructs us, as he says, in being wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The one thing we all need, most of all, is we need salvation in Christ Jesus. We need to know that we can be saved from sin and death, that we can be set free, and that there is hope of eternity for all those who choose to follow him. Those words are contained within this. All scripture is breathed out by God. And if all scripture is breathed out by God, then I want to read all scripture, right? I want to spend time reading it. If I know that this is the inspired word of God, why would I neglect to read it each day? Why would I stop reading it? So it's instructional, not just foundational. And then Psalm 119, our final passage here, we see that it is directional. 
went camping recently with my family in the mountains, and of course we took a lamp because at two o'clock in the morning when you have to pee and the, you know, the bathroom's about 100 yards away, you've got to get your lamp out, right? Otherwise, you're not going to make it there or you're going to stumble on the way. God's word is a lamp to our feet, isn't it? It is something that directs us. We read in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 105, God's word shows us the way. We lay the foundation, yes. We follow the instructions. We're taught by his word. But then what happens is when it comes to that dark night of the soul, when it comes to that dark place where we don't know what to do, because we've laid a good foundation, because we know what's inside it through the instructions and what he's teaching us, we have a lamp to guide us in the dark. It begins with the foundation. It continues with the reading of his word and spending time hearing his voice through it so that when we come to that place of I don't know what to do, we have the lamp to guide us through. And how do we do that? Well, we meditate on his his word. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist spends all day dwelling on the word of the Lord. It's not just an occasional thing. All day long, he's meditating. He's perhaps just got a verse of scripture in mind that he's spending time actually coming to know well and letting it sink into his heart. Not only that, he chooses to obey God's word. It's not just that he knows it. It's not just that he reads it. No, he actually puts it into practice. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, all those people who hear my words will have a good foundation. He says, all those people who hear my words and put them into practice will have a firm foundation. The psalmist understands that. And so he says in verse 100, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Verse 101, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. And verse 102, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. He knows that it is wise, yes, to hear God's word, but more important that he actually puts it into practice. And then I love this verse, 103. Not only does he meditate on it, not only does he obey it, he savors God's word. He loves his law so much. But look what it says in verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Is God's word like honey to your mouth? Is it that sweet when you spend time reading God's word that you are overjoyed to the point of feeling like, oh, this tastes so good. I love the way that he puts that. And because of these things, he's gaining wisdom. He's gaining understanding. And he's gaining direction in his life. He has a lamp for his feet. And in all this, when we do these things, when we lay the right foundation, when we follow the instructions, when we have the lamp, it creates within us a deep love for God's word. But more than that, it creates in us a deep love for God himself because we come to know him as we hear his voice speak. What about you? How about you? What is God's word to you? Is it the thing that is shaping you the most? If you are honest for a moment, would you say yes? Because I spend time each and every day in God's word, the most important thing I could do, it is shaping me and forming me for this life? Or are there other things that are shaping and forming you that you need to let go of? I wonder, will you commit to read God's word daily? Maybe it's been a few months since you opened a Bible, opened scripture and read from his word. 
today commit to say, I'm going to read it daily. I'm going to try it for a week and see what happens. Will you commit to meditate on it daily, to spend time letting God's words circle around in your mind, spend time letting it saturate your heart? Will you commit to having it as the very foundation of your life, not just an optional extra or some um, just pieces of advice that you take occasionally, but the very foundation? Perhaps you need to commit to read through it in a year. Maybe you've never read through the whole Bible. Go ahead and purchase one of those copies where you get to read through the Bible in a year. It takes about 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day to read through his word, to know what's in there, to let it shape you. Maybe you need to commit to read it with a life group. You still haven't joined one. You're not reading God's word with people each and every week seeking to discover who God is and what he's trying to say to you. One of the questions we ask every week in our life groups that the guys and uh, the women in them can tell you is we ask, what is God saying to you today? Through this passage. What's he saying to you? Because God's word is living and active. Therefore, it speaks to us each time we open it up. And in that setting of community, it's a great place to be held accountable to actually listening to what God is saying to us. Maybe it's time to commit to be in a life group. If this is the primary way God speaks, then we need to be a people of his word. You see, God is speaking, friends, You wonder, is God speaking to me? Oh, he's always speaking. He's speaking through his word. And that's the primary way he speaks. Sometimes, very occasionally, he will speak to me directly in some other way. But most of the time, he is speaking to me through his word. The question is, am I listening? Am I listening? To come to a close, I'm reminded of my grandma. My grandma was a woman of faith. She was a missionary to China during the Revolutionary War. She uh, was there at some very difficult times with my granddad. And she was a woman of the word. She read her Bible daily. She studied God's word. She taught God's word. And she was determined that her grandchildren would too. So guess what I got for my birthday present around about the age of 13? I got some Bible study notes. What every 13-year-old boy wants, right? (laughs) Bible study notes. And she subscribed to me to a quarterly Bible study little booklet I would get. And each day there would be a Bible passage to read and a little teaching on that Bible passage and a prayer at the end. And gradually I started to use them because I realized that they were important. And guess what happened? God's word began to shape me over and over again. Because this woman who was faithful gave me what she knew was the most important gift that I could receive. She helped me to create that desire to know and love God and to hear him speak through his word. Are you hearing God speak through his word? Friends, let us be a people, let us be a church who daily, perhaps this might mean get up earlier, get up early and we read God's word. We spend time with him. If we're not doing that, then we're not going to be shaped by him. We're not going to grow as his disciples. That's one thing I can guarantee you. Spend time in God's word. And if you need help, I'm always willing to do that. I see some of you shifting a little uncomfortably. Come see me. I would love to help you with that. And if you don't have a Bible, I have a few free copies to give away. They're over on the uh, welcome table out there, okay? Just talk to the greeters at the end of the service. They would love to give you one so you can read it. We've got one more thing. Pull out of your um, little announcement sheet. You probably saw this already out of the announcement sheet. You don't know how to do it as well. Here's one more tool. I've given these away to people before, but Jessica made them look much more pretty. So thank you, Jessica. Um, And it's just a simple, quiet time outline. 
of something that I would do myself in the morning, so I encourage you to do if you haven't. You can do it. My wife likes to do it last thing before bed. It's up to you. But you, there's a prayer you can say before reading Scripture. There's, um, a, you read a passage of Scripture. There's some questions that you can ask of that passage. And on the back, you'll see the Lord's Prayer, simply split up into uh, section by section. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then you just spend time thanking God for who he is and for his abundant faithfulness and so on. Just a simple tool to use. Friends, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to hear the Lord speak, if you want to know his voice, then spend time in his word each and every day, and you will not regret it. Let us pray. Come, Heavenly Father, come by your Spirit and move in our hearts. Give us a desire to hear your word and to know you more. Lord, it takes discipline to do this. I recognize that in my own life. The times when I fall is when I am ill-disciplined in this. But Lord, I know that by your Spirit's power, I can have the discipline to spend time in your word and to come and know and love you in a more intimate way, Lord God. That is my heart's desire and is my heart's desire for each and every person in this room today. Prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.